The transfer portal closes in about three weeks. So what do we need? Where are we going to go? Where are we going to focus our energy? That is the question. We'll tell you right after this. You are locked on Ole Miss. Your daily podcast on the Ole Miss Rebels. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, welcome to the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Willis. Thank you very much for joining us, and thank you for making the Locked On Ole Miss Podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. Do us a favor, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell, and of course, participate in the conversation down below by commenting or upvoting the video. So we need to do a little bit of a transfer portal reset moving forward. We're at the point, basically the midway of the transfer portal window and we need to assess needs because, you know, if you ask, whoever you ask, the needs might be completely different. Somebody might tell you, we need three offensive linemen. Somebody, we need more defensive linemen, tight end, punter. All of those things are stories that are circulating around the fan base. And that isn't necessarily true. Now, the wide receiver position was a real need position. And the, the addition of Trey Harris and Chris Marshall fixes that need. Now, tight end is the question. We talked about that, and I even did videos about the tight end position at the beginning of the transfer window. But the more you sit back and realize, if Michael Trigg is actually in good standing, and you have Kyron Heath as a backup, and Javante Connor as a third-string possibility, the need isn't as big as you might think it is. But the question is, will Michael Trigg get his issues figured out for next season, which might happen. He needs a moment of an epiphany like Matt Corral had to where the light just comes on, he does what he needs to do, and that position at that point will be completely taken care of because Michael Trick has all the talent in the world. He has all the talent to be the best tight end in the Southeastern Conference, and I am including Brock Bowers in that statement. But for that to happen, Michael Trigg needs to completely let the lights cut on. Defensive lineman, you know, with um, Braden Fisk going to Florida State, everybody's wondering about an edge player. And I think that one of the positions that Ole Miss needs to hit this transfer portal window cycle is edge rusher. You already have Jared Ivey. You already have several players that play out there. And I talked about the possibility of maybe J.J. Pegues having more of a role on the defensive line. Um, I think Cedric Johnson had surgery. Um, so we'll see exactly what the defensive line looks like, but an edge rusher there, particularly a Sam um, Sam Williams-level edge rusher, and which those guys are difficult to find. It, it doesn't matter, and they, they cost. But somebody like that would be the target because you have run stoppers, theoretically, and you have Jared Ivey, who's a really good player out there, and you have pieces that you can put around him but how you would plan on retooling depends on what you grab in the transfer portal market. It's almost like high school recruiting is for base needs that you don't mind parking at the bottom of your roster for a couple of years and developing them or good players that can play immediately. Those are the two players that are recruited from the high school ranks now. And because of that, you'll see that like Mississippi three stars, they're just down in the dumps because – They've completely lost to Mississippi school 
for a scholarship offer that they used to could count on. Now those kids are having to go into the G5 level. They're not getting into the SEC. And people that complain about that, Ole Miss recruited those guys my whole life and have had one season of real consequence doing it. So Ole Miss doing something different, I mean, that's almost par for the course. So I, I'm not criticizing Ole Miss's portal dependence at all. Now, other people would say that signed those, all those three stars and end up with a top 25 recruiting class or something. They'll com- complain saying you cannot build a roster based off the portal. And my reply to that is, says who? Who is saying that? Because there's no empirical evidence to prove that you can't. But basically what it is is the recycling of the old rule that you could not build a roster off of GECO players. Now, we told you before this season started that everybody had their take locked and loaded for the postseason. Either Ole Miss was going to do well and they were going to call it a fluke or Ole Miss was going to do poorly and say, see, you can't do it this way. And because Ole Miss lost to Mississippi State and Arkansas and because they're not in the citrus or above bowl, Everybody is using that as an indictment on the transfer portal. But the reality is the transfer portal is there. But what everybody needs and what everybody wants is the root cause of all this. And their root want is signing day from 2008 to where on February 2nd, you could point at the rankings and you could crow to your friends because you won the second season. There was essentially the college football season and then there was recruiting season. And between those two was crowing. So you can always tell people that don't know what they're talking about because they crow about early signing day. As if as if it matters. It's like when you take a victory lap off of early signing day is the equivalent of taking a victory lap with 12 minutes to go in the second quarter. It's just not right. And now the Portal King's going to do work. He's going to make all of those people eat their words and everything is going to be fine. So let's look at positions of need for the Ole Miss Rebels moving forward. In the second segment, we're going to get into that. Um, But right now, the number one um, need for Ole Miss is edge rusher. We'll talk about other positions that the Rebels can improve on shortly. But we do think edge rusher is a position for the Rebs moving forward. And there's a guy out of Wake Forest that I'm interested in. I've heard nothing about it. I don't know if Ole Miss has even offered him. But he has 14 sacks over two years. And checking about his name real quick. Um, Rondell Bothroyd, um, defensive end, Wake Forest. That is a name to watch from the transfer portal moving forward. He's an edge player. Like I said, 12 sacks over two years. Also, people need to keep an eye on John Garrison recently extended an offer for an offensive lineman out of the portal. Um, Jarrett Kingston, he was named to PFF's All-Pac 12 team in 2022. He is a tackle. Now, I don't know if that says anything about Jeremy James. I don't know if this is a just-in-case about Jeremy James. We will see exactly how it goes, but it should be really good as well. Anyway, today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best possible candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster 
and for free. So this is what you do. Go to the website, build your profile. If you're not sure how to build it, there are templates all over the internet to see exactly how a LinkedIn profile needs to be built. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are in fact hiring. Then it has simple tools like screening questions that make it easy to focus on the candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates for you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, thanks again for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and beyond the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, it's available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. All right, so we talked about the reset that is going on early with the transfer portal and how we need to think. And we also mentioned an edge player that could be a potential thing and an offensive lineman. So we think that the second half of the transfer window might focus on the trenches. I mean, that's, that's what we're hearing at this point It's just trenches here and there. Um, so we'll see exactly how that goes. And remember at this point, um, at this time of recording a Dolly, a Dari Halsey, has not committed yet one way or another to Ole Miss. So that one could go into a little bit thing, and we'll talk about that later on in the week if it comes up. Now, positions of need for Ole Miss, and people talk about it, backup quarterback, which will be difficult to find in the transfer portal because who wants to go and hold a clipboard unless you find a G5 guy that is just willing to get a degree with the University of Mississippi on it it's going to be hard to find somebody to take that position. You might have to find a, essentially a high school or junior college guy that signs in February. Jordan Tamu would be a good example of that. And that is somebody that could come in, be brought along, and be pretty good in your system moving forward. But backup quarterback, that is what I expect there. Whenever you look at the quarterback and the way it goes, if you're going to find somebody in the transfer portal, it's either going to be a body available for one year or it's going to be a project available for three. If somebody is somewhat, any way ready or made, they're probably not going to go to your school. And you don't want to dump a bag of cash on a backup quarterback because if the backup quarterback is being pressed into duty, your season's already a wash anyway. So you need somebody that can be a short-term fix if necessary. One-year body, three-year project, somebody like that. I, I, I was thinking somebody maybe like, a Davis Brin potentially could step in and be a backup quarterback or um, somebody like that. The two Tulsa quarterbacks come to mind because they're backups like one year and three year. And I'm curious, they could go other places. I'm not saying I've heard anything, but that's just, that's where my head is at with the backup quarterback. Now, the other position that people are wondering about is punter, believe it or not. Punter is a hot-button topic for Ole Miss, and he should be. They did not punt the ball well in November. Under no circumstance did they punt the ball well. But Frazier Mason was just a freshman. He is going to improve, and they have a backup punter on campus. I don't know if you want to waste 
a transfer portal on a punter when you have a guy. I, I think you wait, give him the spring, chart, make sure everything's good. If there's a problem, you go after that 15-day window. If there's not, he's your guy. Um, I, I'm not willing to throw the baby out with the bathwater on this one quite yet. Now, the like I said, the two positions that I expect Ole Miss to be active in in the second half of the transfer portal season is an offensive line, potentially, and defensive line. I think Ole Miss needs an edge player. I think, honestly, they need two edge players. And, honestly, that's a, that's an expensive position, so we'll see how it goes over the next couple of weeks and what's going on because there's a lot of fish swimming in those waters. I told you that one of the benefits that Ole Miss has is they're not going after the high-dollar type players that it's going to really cost to have. And because of that, they can allocate more money into less high dollar places, which potentially should mean they should win. But one of the high dollar places and waters that they're going to swim in is likely up, um, around the defensive line, especially the edge rusher position. Now you see that Ole Miss is in on defensive backs. Adari Halsey is that. Um, linebacker Jeremiah Jean Batiste. You also recruited in high school Sunterine Perkins. Like I said, this 3-2-6 has a chance to be a 3-3-5 pretty quickly um, with the addition of Sunterine Perkins. So we have that physics problem on the outside. So you see the potential for box safety is getting a little bigger. The potential for defensive ends getting a little bigger. And all of that should help with the physics problem whenever people line up and run to those specific areas because everybody is seeing that now. Know that Texas Tech is going to try and do the same thing tomorrow. They're going to try and go to the same area. And because of that, Ole Miss is going to be faced with needing to stop that run. They're going to have to deal with their physics problem at least once. Now, their defense matches up with the Texas Tech offense a little bit, but that doesn't mean they're not going to try and exploit it. But if you look at what Ole Miss has on the back end of the defense, kind of important. They're going to have to replace Otis Reese, who is a really good player for the Ole Miss Rebels. They're going to have to put, replace A.J. Finley, who is a really good player for this team. Now, it could be something where Ishim Young and Tysheem Johnson go straight back. And that that's almost a one-for-one -one substitution for both of them on the back end of the defense. And you have Ladarius Tennyson playing in one box safety, Sunterine Perkins on the other. That very well could be the, quote, safety lineup for this defense. But you get somebody like Adari Halsey, and that changes the calculus a bit. You have somebody like John Saunders to where he's not going to play a box safety, but he might could be a slot corner that the versatility to the defense is now going to be added in there because he has the size to be able to play somebody in, inside to match up on these plus wide receivers. And with his coverage and length, he could be problematic for them. So theoretically, you've already met needs to make the defense tougher. All you need to try and do now is to firm up those trenches, defensive line, offensive line, and be ready to go. Now, on the defensive line, it might be sim as simple as moving J.J. Pegues out to an end position to where it looks like a typical 3-4 end out there. Might not be the case. 
but it might be. With, with Joshua Harris and Xavion Harris playing in the middle, that might be a possibility where you can do that. You don't need him at nose guard. He can drop 10 pounds, get to 295, and all of a sudden wreak havoc over as a, essentially a strong side defensive end. That is the type of stuff I'm looking for in this defense. I'm looking for the experimental things that Ole Miss does to make what they're doing SEC ready. Because it is proven that in the SEC, when everybody will do things to win, it doesn't necessarily matter what they view as their strength or what they do. If you offer them five yards of pop doing something, they will take it. And that's just the way it is. Just the way it is. So we'll see exactly what's up with that. Right now, though, I want to tell you about the NHTSA Drive Sober Tsunami. You know, you're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes too many and an evening comes to an end and people start to head out. You think of calling for a ride? Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds that you get pulled over anyway? And even so, what are the odds that that could happen? Your insurance goes up, you lose your license, you lose your job, you lose your car, you kill someone. Everybody knows about the risk of driving drunk. The results are traffic, tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everybody from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride or call Uber. There's no excuse for driving drunk now. It only takes one mistake to change your life or somebody else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. So that's paid for by the NHTSA. All right, thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Do us a favor, subscribe to the YouTube channel, hit the bell for notifications, and comment down below or upvote the video itself. Now, let's move over to the game tomorrow night real quick. We're going to talk about how this game has the potential to get stupid. This game has the potential to get wild. I am absolutely looking forward to an extremely fun night, but it has Arkansas 2021 warning signs about it. When you look at what Texas A&M does, you would think that their main strength, if it's strength versus strength, Ole Miss's defense is in good shape to handle it. But they are really good in the red zone, but they will run the ball if they need to. And they do high schoolish stuff, and I don't mean this in a negative way in the least. Joey McGuire is a high school legend in Texas. The offensive coordinator is a rapid ascent guy that was once at Houston Baptist, went to Western Kentucky for a year, and now he finds himself on the Power 5 level. He's a wide-open air raid type guy, and he prefers to throw the ball. But against Ole Miss, Ole Miss is going to have to stop that run. That teams over the last six games went to over and over and over again. Texas Tech, I think they're minus eight on turnovers. But yet they're seven and five. Oklahoma had a chance to completely put them away. Couldn't do it. I think at one point it was 24-6. to Oklahoma lost that game. Tyler Shuck can make some erratic throws, but he can also make some dimes. He seems to be a little bit of a pressure player. 
And all of these things, when you add them up, the potential for Ole Miss being an extremely wild game for Texas Tech and vice versa is absolutely out there. This absolutely could be a 49-45 to game. If everybody remembers the Ole Miss-Texas Tech game from 2003, this is what it could look like. Even down to the fact that Jonathan Nichols kicked like seven field goals that game. Um, because Texas Tech is pretty good in the red zone. Ole Miss is going to have to work to score touchdowns. It's going to be an important deal for this offense. Now, if you look at what's at stake in this game, you got Jackson Dart, who played his best game as a Rebel in the Egg Bowl. It's a losing game. He played his best game. You have Quinshawn Judkins. is about 150 yards away from the SEC freshman rushing record, breaking Herschel Walker's freshman rushing record. That's all... Big things. Jonathan Mingo and Malik Heath trying to go out on the right note. Now, Texas Tech, I'm not saying they're struggling against it, but common sense would tell Ole Miss that they need to turn Jackson Dart loose. But I don't know if that needs to be the path forward for Ole Miss in this game. I think if you keep breaking the rock, keep hitting the rock, eventually it will crack. And when it does it could completely, it, like the second half of that Ole Miss-Arkansas game in 2021, it could absolutely get out of control. Now, you have your passing game, and I think you should use it, and I think you should throw the ball more than you normally do. do. But instead of a 70-30 run-pass split, maybe go 60-40 and use the pass game off the run because if that's going and that gets clicking, clicking this game has a chance to be really difficult for the Red Raiders to stop. There may not be a whole lot they can do about it. So whenever I bring that scenario up, let me bring this scenario up. If Ole Miss can't stop that run and they have to do different things over and over to try to affect that run that everybody is doing over and over and over again, then all of a sudden that affects your pass defense and Tyler Shuck can make some plays and all of a sudden, you don't know what's going on, and you get the best version of Texas Tech. And they scored 51 points against Oklahoma. They could score 51 points again. So the best version against of Texas Tech, the best version of Ole Miss, and that leads to an absolute crazy game where defense is not included. Now, I say all of this, and the game could be 21-17, to 17, but... I warn everybody that the potential for this is there. So many people on the Ole Miss fan base has not been paying attention to this bowl game. They don't know much about Texas Tech. They don't know what's going on. They assume because of the record and everything going on that Ole Miss will go over there and cakewalk and win the game. And that is not the case. I told you, if Ole Miss plays sloppy, Texas Tech will win the game. And the layoff, the layoff, between the Egg Bowl and now and everything that's gone on, the chance for sloppiness is there. Understand that. But if Ole Miss plays reasonably well, which I think is absolutely possible because this game is important for Ole Miss. Lots of people want to say this game is meaningless, that this is an exhibition, that the bowl games don't mean anything. Uh, It means something for Ole Miss this year. And it may not mean something for... I don't know, Zach Evans. I'm not using saying his name for any particular reason. I'm just talking about an individual player. It isn't something they're going to be up for. It may not mean something to Lane Kiffin 
who's in charge of the team. But for Ole Miss and its fan base, the momentum that can come from this bowl game can help take away what happened in November. This is the first step for a rebuild, playing well in this game. If they get boat raced by Texas Tech, that is problematic. It's possible, but it's problematic. I think Ole Miss is going to win this game. I think because they're going to be able to run the football. Zach Evans, Quinshawn Judkins, even Ulysses Bentley IV could potentially have a decent game in Houston tomorrow night. We'll see what happens. It should be a lot of fun. Now, it's a reminder to everybody. Tune in about, let's see, about 6.30 Central for the Locked On Ole Miss pregame show. We're going to do a pregame show for... 30 minutes or an hour or something like that. We don't know exactly what's going on, but you got us 3,000 subscribers. We're going to do a pregame show. And part of that, we're going to try and hook up with Kara, who is at the game. And she can, you know, get sights and sounds of what's going on. So inside the stadium, Kara McCutcheon will be there, and we're going to try and have her. Then after the game, we're going to do our postgame shows. 30 minutes, hour, same deal, talking about the actual game, what went on, the storylines from the game, that is how we're going to handle that. The next day, I am off to Orlando to interview Sunterine Perkins and Aiden Williams as a part of Under Armour All-American Game Media Days. I think that starts at like 10 o'clock Eastern or something like that. So I've got a, I got a nice little 30-minute or so drive to do in the morning after staying up to 3 o'clock in the morning after the Texas Bowl. So it should be good. I should be nice and tired. But this week should be a lot of fun. And I hope everybody has fun because, honestly, that's what this site is all about, having fun. Don't, don't listen to other people. Ignore what they say. They're going to try and troll. They want to control how you think about yourself. But only you can give them that power. It's just the way it is. If you look down below, Texas Tech, Ole Miss. Ole Miss currently a three-and-a-half-point favorite. The over-under has gone up again to 71 points. That's the reason I say the potential for a wild football game is kind of off the charts. It's tomorrow night at 8 o'clock Central on ESPN. Should be a lot of fun. Anyway, we're going to keep preparing for tomorrow. We're going to ramp up for it, get ready to go, get our game face on, yeah, and um, kind of go from there. Anyway. Thanks for making the Locked On Ole Miss podcast your first listen today. For your second listen today, check out Locked On Sports today. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcast. All right, tomorrow's game day. Next time you see me, we'll do our normal morning video. Then we have our pregame show and postgame show as well. So that's how we're going to handle tomorrow. Um, Thank you for all the views yesterday. Hopefully today does just as well, and I will see you tomorrow. Take care. Peace.